Welcome to the Cultivation of the Wild Woman podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Rachel. Today, episode 7. Season 2. Of our book study, uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. We're going to be starting chapter 12. Marking Territory. The Boundaries of Rage and Forgiveness. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little intense. <clears throat> I like it. And we get two stories this uh, chapter. The Crescent Moon Bear and the Withered Trees, I believe. Yes. Both stories come from Asia. Awesome. And... We're going to, I'll read the stories, and then we'll hear from Rachel uh, a little bit about her thoughts. She has read the book fully, I have not, and uh, we're going to kind of put our heads together and see what comes up. Yes. See what sticks, and we'll also be getting... Um, kind of a, I don't want to say an assignment, but a, what would you call that? Kind of like a, uh, ritual that you can do to work through rage and forgiveness and also a process of how do you forgive. Interesting. Um, So I really enjoy this chapter because it's a very, um, involved chapter, there's stories, and kind of, you get to participate by doing the um, ritual, if you want, um, to cool. lay some of your own rage and boundaries. Well, I'm, already, I'm so. always always looking for techniques. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rage control and forgiveness. Yeah. I don't know, we need a lot of that. So, um, if that sounds fun to you, then keep listening and maybe grab a drink or something, and uh, I will begin with the first story, The Crescent Moon Bear. Under the tutelage of Wild Woman, we reclaim the ancient the intuitive, and the passionate. There once was a young woman who lived in a fragrant pine forest. Her husband was away fighting a war for many years. When finally he was released from duty, he trudged home in a most foul mood. He refused to enter the house for he had become used to sleeping on stones. He kept to himself and stayed in the forest day and night. His young wife was so excited when she learned her husband was coming home at last. She cooked and shopped and shopped and cooked and made dishes and dishes and bowls and bowls of tasty white soybean curd and three kinds of fish and three kinds of seaweed, 
and rice sprinkled with red pepper, and nice cold prawns, big and orange. Smiling shyly, she carried the food to the woods and knelt beside her war-weary husband and offered to him the beautiful food she had prepared. But he sprang to his feet and kicked the trays over so that the bean curds spilled, the fish jumped into the air, the seaweed and rice spilled into the dirt, and the big orange prawns went rolling down the path. Leave me alone, he roared, and turned his back on her. He became so enraged she was frightened of him. Time after time this occurred, until finally, in desperation, the young wife found her way to the cave of the healer who lived outside the village. My husband has been badly injured in the war, the wife said. He rages continuously and eats nothing. He wishes to stay outside and will not live with me as before. Can you give me a potion that will make him loving and gentle once again? The healer assured her, This I can do for you, but I need a special ingredient. Unfortunately, I am all out of hair from the crescent moon bear. So you must climb the mountain, find the black bear, and bring me back a single hair from the crescent moon at its throat. Then I can give you what you need, and life will be good again. Some women would have felt daunted by this task. Some women would have thought the entire effort impossible. But not she, for she was a woman who loved. Oh, I'm so grateful, she said. It is so good to know that something can be done. So she readied for her journey, and the next morning she went out to the mountain. And she sang out, Arigato Saijo, which is a way of greeting the mountain and saying, Thank you for letting me climb upon your body. She climbed into the foothills where there were boulders like big loaves of bread. She ascended up to a plateau covered with forest. The trees had long draping boughs and leaves that looked like stars. Arigato Zaisho, she sang out. This was a way of thanking the trees for lifting their hair so she could pass underneath. And so she found her way through the forest and began to climb again. It was harder now. The mountain had thorny flowers that seized the hem of her kimono and rocks that scraped her tiny hands. Strange dark birds flew out at her in the dusk and frightened her. She knew they were moon botak, spirits of the dead, who had no relatives, and she sang out prayers for them. I will be your relative, 
I will lay you to rest. Still, she climbed, for she was a woman who loved. She climbed till she saw snow on the mountain peak. Soon her feet were wet and cold. And still she climbed higher, for she was a woman who loved. A storm began, and the snow blew straight into her eyes and deep into her ears. Blinded, still she climbed higher. And when the snow stopped, the woman sang out, Arigato Zaisho, to thank the winds for ceasing to blind her. She took shelter in a shallow cave and could barely pull all of herself into it. Though she had a full pack of food, she did not eat, but covered herself in leaves and slept. In the morning, the air was calm, and little green plants even showed through the snow here and there. Ah, she thought, now for the crescent moon bear. She searched all day, and near twilight found thick cords of scat and needed look no further. For a gigantic black bear lumbered across the snowfall, leaving behind deep pad and claw marks. The crescent moon bear roared fiercely and entered its den. She reached into her bundle and placed the food she had brought in a bowl. She set the bowl outside the den and ran back to her shelter to hide. The bear smelled the food and came lurching from its den, roaring so loudly it shook loose little stones. The bear circled around the food from a distance, sampled the wind many times, then ate the food up in one gulp. The great bear reared up, snuffled the air again, and then disappeared into its den. The next evening the woman did the same, setting out the food, but this time instead of returning to her shelter, she retreated only halfway. The bear smelled the food, heaved itself out of its den, roared to shake the stars from the skies, circled, tested the air very cautiously, but finally gobbled up the food and crawled back into its den. This continued for many nights, until one dark blue night the woman felt brave enough to wait even closer to the bear's den. She put the food in the bowl outside the den and stood right by the opening. When the bear smelled the food and lumbered out, it saw not only the usual food, but also a pair of small human feet as well. The bear turned its head sideways and roared so loudly it made the bones in the woman's body hum. The woman trembled, 
but stood her ground. The bear hauled itself onto its back legs, smacked its jaws, and roared so that the woman could see right up into the red and brown roof of its mouth. But she did not run away. The bear roared even more and put out its arms as though to seize her, its ten claws hanging like ten long knives over her scalp. The woman shook like a leaf in the high wind, but stayed right where she was. Oh, please, dear bear, she pleaded. Please, dear bear, I've come all this way because I need a cure for my husband. The bear brought its front paws to earth in a spray of snow and peered into the woman's frightened face. For a moment, the woman felt she could see entire mountain ranges, valleys, rivers, and villages reflected in the bear's old eyes. A deep peace settled over her, and her trembling ceased. Please, dear bear, I've been feeding you all these past nights. Could I please have one of the hairs from the crescent moon on your throat? The bear paused. This little woman would be easy food, yet suddenly he was filled with pity for her. It is true, said the crescent moon bear. You've been good to me. You may have one of my hairs, but take it quickly. Then leave here and go back to your own. The bear raised its great snout so that the white crescent on its throat showed and the woman could see the strong pulse of the bear's heart there. The woman put one hand on the bear's neck and with her other took hold of a single glossy white hair. Quickly she pulled it. The bear reared back and cried out as though wounded, and this pain then settled into annoyed huffs. Oh, thank you, Crescent Moon Bear, thank you so much. The woman bowed and bowed, but the bear growled and lumbered forward a step. It roared at the woman in words she could not understand, and yet words she had somehow known all her life. She turned and fled down the mountain as fast as she could. She ran under the trees with leaves shaped like stars, and all the way through she cried, Arigato Zaisho, to thank the trees for lifting their boughs so she could pass. She stumbled over the boulders that looked like big loaves of bread, crying, Arigato Zaisho, to thank the mountain for letting her climb upon its body. Though her clothes were ragged, her hair askew, her face soiled, she ran down the stone stairs that led to the village, down the dirt road, and right through the town to its other side, and into the hovel where the old healer sat, tending the fire. Look, look, I have it, I found it, I claimed it, 
a hair of the crescent moon bear, she cried. Ah, good, said the healer with a smile. She peered closely at the woman and took the pure white hair and held it out toward the light. She weighed the long hair in one old hand, measured it with one finger, and exclaimed, Ah, yes, this is an authentic hair from the crescent moon bear. Then suddenly she turned and threw the hair deep into the fire where it popped and crackled and was consumed in a bright orange flame. No, cried the young wife. What have you done? Be calm. It is good. All is well, said the healer. Remember each step you took to climb the mountain. Remember each step you took to capture the trust of the crescent moon bear. Remember what you saw, what you heard, and what you felt. Yes, said the woman. I remember very well. The old healer smiled at her gently and said, Please now, my daughter, go home with your new understandings and proceed in the same ways with your husband. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Yeah. I love how visual it is. It's like a hero's journey mm-hmm. of climbing the mountain. And Estes even talks about that, like, literally going and going to the mountain. I think it's a Buddhist Sufi tradition. Um, I forget what they call it, but something like going to the mountain to find your higher self and like reconnect Mm -hmm. to the truths which is kind of what we did (laughs) yeah and we lived in the woods for that year climbing a lot of mountains yes we did see a bear too yes not a crescent moon bear, but uh, just a, a scared, <laughs> a scared little black bear. One of the we, last. We were, we were uh, walking down to the water, to our water source, and we saw a little black bear. It must have heard us or saw us. We kind of crossed paths at the same time. Yeah, and it took off and <laughs> just ran away. Mm-hmm. But this crescent moon bear was uh, very scary, very intimidating. And I think, I don't know, it's, the story is pretty awesome, but it's also. It's very complete and very succinct. There's not a lot I think I can think of to add or explain. It's very, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Japanese, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, and their storytelling is very, uh, it's very archetypal. 
Uh, I know from studying Japanese films that they they have very timeless characters and, and use archetypes to communicate. And so it is just very powerful and and kind of explains everything. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, it's a very economical way of communicating. Where they get the point is very clear. By the time you're done reading it, you have I feel a sense of clarity. And I felt as I was reading it, especially towards the end, that it kind of tied everything up very tightly. Mm-hmm. And was very instructive. Mm. And it's teaching of the virtue of patience. Because um, mm. it's funny in the beginning how the wife is so excited that he's home and trying to feed him and he's impatient and she's also kind of impatient, but they're both impatient in a different way. Mm-hmm. He needs more time to like come back, and she needs more time to kind of let him come back. Yeah, it's it's strange. She's overly excited, and he's a little overwhelmed. So they they were both polar. Having myself returned from war, (laughs) uh, it's very it's very difficult to. It's very difficult to interact with people because you're, I don't, I'm not sure what it is, and I don't think, I don't know if you can ever really know, because it's just such a deep psychological, it's, war is just so traumatizing that, it, and it's so rare to, uh, to, to, I mean, there's been mo- times in history when most of our men had been involved in war, but now it's pretty rare to meet a, um, someone who's actually mm-hmm. been to war. And it's very hard to study warriors because <laughs> we don't like to talk about things and we don't go to, uh, we don't usually go to like psychologists and uh, spill our guts and stuff. So it's very mysterious, even though. Um, war has been a part of our history a big part of our history it's still very mysterious and even going to war doesn't help you figure out what war is like i mean mm. you experience it but that doesn't mean you know what you experienced or you know and know. and she says that in the reflection that if you notice in the story that she isn't enlightened on the mountain it's when she comes back and then you're applying what you've learned to the actual situation and that's when the enlightenment will come through is when she can take those skills she practiced with the bear to her husband right it's not that she came back with the hair and was like i'm enlightened i get know what to do you know she was still like what do i do right and the lady's like you already know what to do like just well it's also a good example of when of how the journey is more important than the destination mm, mm-hmm um, and that's kind of a good way, I guess, of teaching without becoming self-conscious of what you're learning. Because she didn't say, hey, 
go up there and learn patience on a bear. And come back when you're patient. <laughs> right. It yeah. was like the the goal was get the hair, but in order to get the hair, she had to learn patience. So it was uh, one of those, you know, like you're not self, you're not conscious of how you're learning, but the process mm-hmm. and the journey, somehow you're going to absorb the, the teachings through that the journey itself and that it, I mean the hair didn't matter she just burned it I love that part everyone I feel like because the story's I mean I don't want to say it's long but it is a little bit longer than most stories we listen to so by that point I feel like you're kind of ready for the what's the hair like what's the potion right and right she's like <laughs> it's a red herring yeah it's just <laughs> it's but um yeah, I think... Well, because the hair symbolizes remember what one has learned. Right. So she Which did is have funny because... She couldn't just... Hair go. reminds me of the DNA because yeah. it's a sample and your yeah. DNA has all of those deep uh, knowings. Right. So it's about remembering the deep connection and in the the infinite connection that you have. and. yeah. And not focusing too much on the situation. Like, um, she had to go away from her husband kind of rejecting her to to kind of forget about it and be on another mission. Yeah. Which kind of gives it some air. And Estes talks about that with forgiveness later on, that that's one of the steps in forgiving someone. I think it might be first. It's a step away. Yeah. That when yeah. you're feeling rage, you got to step away. If or you, if you're, or if someone's has rage towards you, yeah, then you should go away from them. Mm-hmm. Because uh, um, I th- I feel like reading this just kind of made me think about when I came back. I didn't really have rage um, from war. I but I but I was closed off. From, I was closed off from parts of myself, which if you need, I mean, if you're in a relationship, part of what makes a relationship a relationship is that you're not closed off from those parts with that person. You're, I feel like with our relationship, we, we went on a journey together into the wilderness to unlock all all of our uh well I mean not unlock but like expose expose our expose our psyche to no no not that uh it's like we we went we forced ourselves to be together 24/7 for a year Living on the road, traveling full time, and you can't hide any parts of yourself. That's what it is. There's mm-hmm. no like you. We got stressed out. We got pushed to our limits. We got we got all the little things that you know you can kind of hide. Like at, when you when we first started uh, hanging out, we were just hanging out on the weekends, and you know. You, it's not that stressful, and <laughs> it's just it's a lot of fun. 
And so you don't see the part, you don't see how the person handles deep stress or trauma. Where this is a story about a, a relationship, a couple that ha- is trying to handle that deep stress and trauma. And so the journey, I feel like, together allowed me to incorporate who I was back, uh, like uh, incorporate all the parts of me in a way that you could see them. And, and then you can make your decision, do I want to be with this person and do I want to have a child with this person? Because I know them wholly. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I can, you know, I have access to all of them. And he's kicking the food away. Uh, made me feel like he's rejecting love because, you know, whatever reason. But it's, it's, um, I felt like that too where, I don't know, there's, there's a, something with war where it's like, okay, you can't explain what war is like to people, but but you know what it's like in a, in a certain way, but you can never transfer that knowledge. So it's almost like, it's almost like there's a word in my head that I can't, mm-hmm. that I can't speak, mm-hmm. but I really want to. It's because it's a feeling. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Now, other... That, and so I think that it might be kind of what causes that rejection of love because I say, oh, you don't, you, you don't understand me as a warrior because you weren't there, so that means you don't know all of who I am, so then you can't love me, so then I reject your love. But that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of have to... It, uh, I kind of have to accept that you won't fully understand me. And that that's okay, even though that's what I, that's what I really want. I really want to be fully understood, but it's impossible. And so that's the warrior's, that's the warrior's burden. Is that he wants to be understood, but he knows he can't. And then you have to either accept that and live and, you know, and... I feel like I was able to accept that with you. And that's why I think it was destined that we met after some traumatizing things had happened to both of us. Yeah, with Um, other relationships. That we both came in with some baggage and then kind of dumped it all out, burned some of it, packed some of it back up, left some of it buried in the wood. You know, we... that's kind of the metaphor I see for all the the baggage that we all have, and like you're saying that you go through it with someone when you're with them long enough. And well, because eventually I think you did learn, you did learn the lessons that she learned in the story, which was that you, if you love someone, you'll 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 do the, what it takes to make it work and i feel like you never abandoned me and you never um you never gave up on loving me so once i saw that then i realized in that that it was okay mhm and then i would be 
It takes time, though. It it wasn't the first day that she goes and finds the bear that she gets the hair. You know, it was. It mm-hmm. took time, and it takes time. Um, it takes time to trust and it takes time to and she also it took a long time because she had to build up the courage as well and I feel like there's I definitely felt that in our journey as well that you mm. you have become more courageous through it and that your courage is what your courage and also your the way you look at me your eyes melt me so then (laughs) I would never kick food out of your hands just because you have a certain effect on me that no one else has and it calms me Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel mm, in the story the bear kind of takes pity on her and that's an interesting emotion that they put in because I don't pity you but you are much weaker than me physically. <laughs> so I... It's called compassion. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And so I have compassion. Which I've been accused all my life of not having. <laughs> but, you know, I found it. Or mm-hmm. I didn't find it. You gave it to me, I guess. I didn't really have compassion before I met you. I was always, my mom described me as hard-hearted, which is another, you know, that's just another way of saying you're not very compassionate. Mm -hmm. But I think it it was something in you that I saw that, that allowed me to feel that. And it's a deep love and it's a deep sense that you're vulnerable, that you're vulnerable, right? And then it's weird because once I see how vulnerable you are and I can empathize with it somehow, I think it's just in your eyes. The way you look at me is I can't help but feel the the vulnerable, like your eyes are so big and blue and bright and innocent and, uh, you know, they get kind of glassy looking when year I don't know (laughs) and I just there's something about your eyes that kind of hypnotizes me and then I feel like I can't uh I don't know I think can't stay mad like the bear yeah it's it's more like uh, I can't I can't uh yeah I can't stay mad I can't be angry at you I all of a sudden I don't want to be. I just want to love you. And uh I think it took courage for you to um to kind of be willing to look me in the eye and give me that look, you know. Because not many people can do that. So it's because I think when when you do that, 
I've been trying to figure it out for a while what's going <laughs> on here. But I think what it is is like you're looking at me and you're not you don't have judgment in your eyes. You don't have um you don't I don't know, there's just this it's it's not quite blank, but it's almost blank. It's almost like a pleading. And there is a please in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You say please with your eyes. And I can't resist you. I can't resist a beautiful woman who speaks softly with her eyes. And so you are the ultimate expert on that. I think it's the trick of the wild woman. Well, and there's also... We have these powers of witchcraft where you can put spells on men and children and, and anybody... We choose, but you... But you, magic never worked on me before I met you. I was too sharp. I was too mean. I was too tuned in. Too young. Too foolish. Too war-weary. Mm-hmm. But after... It took me some time. I bet if I met you right, right after I came back, it would have been bad. You know? Maybe that not. That wasn't the destiny. Right. I was a few years removed from war by the time I met you. Yeah. So I had time to cool off from it. And also, you weren't there. You weren't with me when I was going through that, so I didn't have, uh, I wasn't traumatized with you. Mm-hmm. And um, that helps. Because it felt like when we met, it was a fresh start for me. It was like brand new life. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying um, in the story reminds me of how she's teaching of solitude to connect to your higher self. And that's mm. kind of what led up to us meeting is that I had quit my job, left the partner that was not a healthy relationship moved back in with my parents and restarted my whole priority system, my whole value system to reconnect. And then we met, and then we did that as a couple where we kind of reinvented the wheel of how it was going to work and, you know, just kind of cleansing um, that you need those phases of waxing and waning and that the bear story seems very yin because she her feet are like frozen at one point and it's cold and it's at the top of the mountain and a bear is winter which is very yin they hibernate um, and it's a symbol of resurrection hmm. so I thought that that was an interesting story to then think about the our past and the resurrections that we've had within our own relationship, but then individually, because I believe it all comes from, like, inside, that I had to resurrect parts of myself to be able to show that to you. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't like, all of a sudden, I could give you the doe eyes. It was because I had kind of charged up those batteries that they worked. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I don't think that... I couldn't use them on last partners because I hadn't even, I didn't know that I had that power and so I didn't know how to wield it. But then because I had been practicing my yoga and I had been 
focusing on what made me feel good when I ate and things like that, then I was charging that that yin part of me so that I could be yeah. young. And also you weren't you you weren't you weren't um you weren't projecting anything on me because you were healthy because you were because you were healing yourself you didn't have these issues that are making you uncomfortable and giving you anxiety that that you're then trying to project onto me because I'm very sensitive to that so I could mm-hmm. tell that your eyes were honest and open and you weren't holding anything back and you weren't you know you weren't trying to manipulate me with your eyes. Mm-hmm. You were, but not really. <laughs> you, you, you weren't manipulating. You were being truthful. Mm-hmm. And I think you had, I mean, I don't know all your past, right? But I know that you definitely manipulated a lot of men and boys. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times unconscious. Like right. the unconscious rage in me did it. The the girl who was traumatized and hurt did it. Not yeah. even what it's usually not even you. It's usually the part of you that you haven't gotten to know. Exactly. And that's why it's coming up, is it's it's trying to get attention, just like a toddler who's angry. Yeah. And you weren't you were able with me to transcend that form of communication. Because I won't <laughs> I won't be manipulated. Mm-hmm. I, if you do try to manipulate me, then I will kick the food out of your hands, which I think is kind of the rage that I have, because I'm very sensitive to forms of control, hmm. and food is a way people control. You know, traditionally, she food is like a manipulative kind of thing. It can be considered a manipulative symbol because you're you can poison the food or you can drug the food. And she even asked to get a potion to... She even tried. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yo, can I and just get Hillary's a potion like, yeah, for yeah, this? Yeah, 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 just go get like a hair and, and then it with that hair. And then she didn't even give her a potion at the end. Yeah. It was just... He's a bear. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to manipulate him. You just need to be vulnerable and courageous at the same time. And mm-hmm. he'll see it in your eyes and he'll love you again. Hmm. Well, because basically to sum up the, what you're learning from that story is being willing to learn from rage and transforming and dispersing that energy because rage corrodes hope. So if you have mm-hmm. a black hole that you're holding on to, it's like that toddler where it will come out. It won't. It refuses to be forgotten, and it can't be. Right. Um, so we'll work through that later of how do you forgive and forget and, you know, let go and be able to transform. Okay. But now we can move on to the next story. The Withered Trees. Oh, this one's a lot shorter. Yeah. Okay. The Withered Trees There was a soul 
whose very bad temper had cost him more wasted time and loss of good friends than any other element in his life. He approached an old wise man in rags and asked, How can I ever bring this demon of rage under control? The old man instructed the younger man to post himself at a parched oasis far off in the desert and to sit there among all the withered trees and to draw up the brackish water for any traveler who might venture there. And the man, trying to overcome his rage, rode out to the desert, to the place of the withered trees. For months, garbed in robes and burnous against the flying sand, he drew the sour water and gave it to all who approached. Years passed, and he suffered no more fits of temper. One day, a dark rider came to the dead oasis and gave a haughty glance down at the man who offered him water from a bowl. The rider scoffed at the clouded water, refused it, and began to ride on. The man offering water was immediately enraged, so much so he was blinded by it, and seizing the rider down from his camel, killed him on the spot. Allah! He was immediately aggrieved that he had been consumed by such rage, and look what it had come to. Suddenly up rode another rider at great speed. The rider looked down upon the visage of the dead man and exclaimed, Thank Allah, you have killed the man who was on his way to murder the king. And at that moment, the cloudy water of the oasis turned clear and sweet, and the withered trees of the oasis blushed green and burst into joyous bloom. <laughs> I love how that story turns. Mm -hmm. That was a 180. Wow. Like, again, the theme of, like, the... What were you saying about the destination and the journey and not being so fixed on that and enjoying the journey? Mm-hmm. And then, bam, you get your healing lesson and you didn't even know it. <laughs> Yeah. Strange. It's a very strange story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she's touching on knowing when to kind of strike and and using that rage and using that anger and yeah. and that that's kind of the other side of that coin of like there's the side of like forgiveness and forgetting and then there's the side of like channeling it like into your yeah. art into your craft into your passion into your why yeah like well there is there is definitely a time 
for um, righteous anger, I guess. But in our, I think in our culture now, it seems to me that it's ne- there's never there, that like you should never raise your voice. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. just inappropriate. Yeah. You know, and you get this judgment if you somehow... That you should never get to that point that you need to yell. Right. Because no we definitely sh- got to that point in our relationship where I was very triggered, like, look, okay, I've had a lot of angry people in my past, like, DNA. Yeah. Like, because I'm Irish and German heritage, <laughs> so it's like, look, yeah. we've had the berserkers. Yeah. We can't take it anymore. We're we're stopping this. We're nipping it in the bud. Yeah. And you were kind of like, look, yes, there's a time where it's not appropriate for me to be rage, but then if it's something that's serious, like the time I yelled at Sam when I didn't want him to leave the car on the side of the highway when I had, was getting a tick off of me, yeah. and I yelled at him to stay in the car, and he looked at me like, oh, okay, Mom said to stay in the car. We'll stay in the car. And it was a serious matter because I didn't want to chase after him, and, and yeah. I didn't. It was dangerous. And we had gotten a flat tire just before that, and he so ran stress, away, yeah. and you had to spend like an hour trying to find him while I was trying to change a tire on the side of the highway. And so you, uh, you were, uh, you know, uh, you Mama didn't, Bear you didn't want any more, yeah, shit from him because he had already put you through it. <laughs> so you were like making sure he didn't run away again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't at him, it was at the situation of not now. This is not the time. Yeah. It, it's putting the demon into place of like, Yeah. no, and, and setting a boundary. But when do you set that boundary? Because yeah. especially yeah. if there's a wound, you kind of can be a little trigger happy with right. rage. I think well, that's what that's yes. is what we're seeing. We're, we can be, that the story starts with him being trigger happy with rage but mm. then becoming peaceful but then still having his rage because I think look the world is not as nice as we mostly like to think we kind of like to think that oh you know you should never be angry well no yeah you, you, there's times when you should if someone's if someone is someone's crossing a line of yours you need to be no, you need to know that you can tap into that rage to protect yourself or to protect someone else or to, right, he protected the king. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's there's situations that you can find yourself in where you need to be capable of tapping your rage. And if you've never done it, then you're, I think you, you can be more likely to be victimized. Mm-hmm. If you don't, yeah. if you don't know that you can, if you're drawn, if you're guided by fear, if you won't use it be out of fear, well then that's not a good tactic, right? Because fear is then going to manipulate you to not yes. use it when you yeah. need to. And, and she she does mention that that like, especially for women, when is the right time? Yeah. To be that look, no, um, I'm I'm serious about this. This is my boundary, and right. and and being a little kind of hard ass about things yeah and knowing when and i've never wanted you to be i've never wanted um i've always tried to make you more dangerous (laughs) i mean i've given you weapons 
and mm-hmm. taught you how to use them because I, l- I want you to be able to kill someone if you need to. Mm-hmm. Not because I want you to kill people, but because I, I want you to know in your heart that you know where to put, a, put someone down if you had to. Mm-hmm. Because it's not even about the fact that you'll... It's not that I think you're going to need to do that. It's that you're going to carry yourself with a certain amount of confidence. You're going to carry yourself with a, with a certain power, knowing you have life and death in your own hands. Mm-hmm. And so you're just l- a lot less likely to be picked out of a line as someone that somebody might want to prey on. Mm-hmm. If you've never experienced being dangerous or being enraged or being able to inflict your rage onto another human, then you might just think too much like a prey animal. And then that's who people prey on. They prey on mm-hmm. the weak. They prey on the people who walk, you know, like they're vulnerable or that they're, they have no confidence in the way they move. So just training you how to stab properly, <laughs> your body now knows, okay, I do have power. I, I do have, I can tap into rage if I need to. I know how to hold myself and carry myself in a way that predators or, you know, or people on the street are going to see you and say, I don't no. want to fuck with that lady because she has confidence in her body. She, ha- she can move with power. The fir- one of the earliest times as a teenager, I remember this happening where I had to do this to somebody and pull a, a, a mama bear is how I think of it. Because <laughs> I just, my hair gets all frizzled up and my teeth, you know, I just get like very like my ha- claws come out and up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at the Mac station which is our version of, like, the little train. Uh, like a subway, but above ground. Yeah, above ground subway. And it's always very sketchy. I don't know, no matter what city you're in, it's public transit. And it's at the station where you're waiting, and there's not really other stores or anything else around. Or very many other people. And I was sitting at a bench, and my heels were crossed, like, over my knee. Um, so kind of like a figure four yoga position thing and this dude comes and sits down next to me and he might have been high on something I don't know he was weird right he gave me he was just a weird dude getting a little too close with my bubble and he touches my heel and I did that like like get the fuck like I did the kid away from me he immediately got up and left because mm-hmm. I was like, you do not touch my, you just touch my bubble. Oh man, you just gave me the right well, to that be was a angry. Test. He you. was yeah. testing you. And I knew that. And so I think like just immediately yeah, was like, you want to go, man? Like he I got probing. heels on. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being like, you're testing me. No. Don't fucking test don't, me, bro. Don't. <laughs> I was like, you're not the, this is not the white lady you want to test. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have that. And I never forgot that because then I was way more empowered after that. Like, okay, I can scare a dude away if I need to. Yeah. Like, I hadn't, I don't think I had really been poked yet. Yeah. Because I was so young that I usually was with friends or my mom or something and never, like, on the max alone. Well, and that's the thing is that it, uh, some people have gone their whole lives and never had to do that. Yeah, because you can avoid it. Yeah. You can make sure you're safe, but that won't do you any good until the one day that 
you're a little out of sorts and you are in a place that you're attracting those kinds of energies and then yeah. the demons are literally coming at you yeah. and you need to be able to defend yourself. That's why I love arrowhead necklaces. And before I met you, I had gotten one off Etsy um, that I still wear because that to me was an energetic symbol of like blocking my energy from other negative energies. Yeah. And, and and like a weapon. Yeah. And seeing yourself as a weapon and not seeing yourself as like weak. Um, and I, there's one point I have that she mentions in her book. When a woman has trouble letting go of anger or rage, it's often because she's using rage to empower herself. Mm. So that's another trick that can happen is like... Stuck in rage. And Yeah, and being identified with right. it. And then that's another trap that your demons will play on you because then you won't shed it. Right. Because but that's then a part of you. Right, and then you're actually, you're actually not in control of it very well. Mm-hmm. And so then it's actually, it doesn't make you stronger. Mm-hmm. It actually makes you weaker yep. to be stuck in it. Because then you're actually more controllable. So... Now we can kind of go into the exercise of oh, okay, the cool. ritual for forgiveness, Descantos. Um, it's about, and it's on page 364, if you want to, in my big version of the copy, I don't know what page it is on the little copy, but big copy 364. In um, chapter... 12. 12? Yeah. Yes. Um... So it's a practice where you get out a sheet of paper, you do a timeline, and you mark out the deaths in your life. Um, the kind of the doors that were closed or the ones that even opened. Um, and, and this comes from the ritual that we even do up here in Oregon, but it comes from the southwest of United States and Mexico area where they put up the white crosses on the side of the road where people mm. have died and it shows in that moment something died mm-hmm. so you you do this for your own life where did something die maybe a, a literal like an, a pet or maybe mm-hmm. you graduated high school or you lost that job or that partner left or whatever happened mm-hmm. you mark those and it helps your psyche kind of align and so you do this on a piece of paper, you write out a timeline, mm-hmm. and then whatever, and then you meditate on the deaths, mm-hmm. and then whatever deaths you see symbolically or literally you put on the timeline. and The little and the small deaths that have taken place, and you mark them out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she says, I put little crosses along the timeline at the places that should have been mourned or still need to be mourned. Hmm. So it's remembering and blessing these opportunities, these lessons, the things that come up. Hmm. So Descantos is a conscious practice that takes pity on and gives honor to the orphaned dead of your psyche, laying them to rest at last. There's a lot to be said for pinning things down to the earth so they don't follow us around. There's a lot to be said for laying them to rest. Hmm. There's a lot to be said for laying them to rest. So it's about kind of putting a pin in it, and but kind of 
more of a staple. And just, you know, marking it so mm-hmm. that you kind of have an inner understanding of where you've come from. Uh, so it's a beautiful kind of self-therapy lesson you can do to kind of know your hero's journey, where you come from, and mm-hmm. what you had to let go of. And and then I think what I've found is that you'll go, oh, I forgot that I even wanted that in a, so many lifetimes ago is what it felt like. And then you can, it'll reawaken to your psyche to the doors that maybe had closed that you can kind of reopen for yourself as an adult and where you're at now. Yeah. Like, oh, I... I don't know, I can't even think of one, but, like, I can't think of a good example, but things will come up. It unlocks the psyche and lets you I have one. let go. I remember when I was practicing my golf swing in the backyard <laughs> of my grand- grandparents, and um, the dog ran right in front of me, and I was practicing. I was really good, so I was like uh it was a real driver it was a real like I wasn't just putting around Mm -hmm. I had a driver and I swung it really hard and smashed him in the eye and he lost his eye and I was traumatized and I never golfed again and I had a lot of I was kind of being trained as a like a a golf child golf prodigy I had like custom clubs and everything and it was this big thing and then that died. Mm-hmm. Right there, that second. Yeah. It was the white cross went up in your psyche. Well, like. and, and I don't think I will try to be a golfer. No, to heal but it. I don't, no. I don't think I want to. But that's definitely a time of where something kind of ended for me. Mm-hmm. So something I was passionate about, focused on, spending a lot of time on. And then it was all over. It was mm-hmm. dead. And I guess I could now, as an adult, I probably could do golf and, you know, mm-hmm. go back to it. But you don't know. There might be something like that in your past that you don't even recognize. You might have had a passion for something that then got crushed by a trauma. And if you do this exercise, you might find it and then you might reignite that passion. You know, mm-hmm. you might forgive yourself or forgive the people, and then you can get back to something that brings you joy mm-hmm. through this process. Mm-hmm. That's how I, that's what I was thinking mm-hmm. as you were describing it, was that by, by acknowledging the death, you kind of can move on. You open yourself up to way. life. Like, yeah. You're. mind can continue to daydream and not be stuck in a nightmare it can right. it can get out of that well, replaying I, the old tape yeah um it also makes me think of too when you see a timeline with i just i'm just visualizing it but if you it makes me think also <laughs> that you think about the future and how many crosses might be a, a yeah. In the next, like, if you think about the last 20 years, how many crosses are on your timeline? What about the next 20? There might mm. be more or just, you know, just mm-hmm. as many. So you start to see that death is a part of life, too. Mm-hmm. And you can expect yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and you allow 
the deaths to not be repeating themselves when mm. you've shown yourself that you've learned your lesson. Yeah. That's at least how I view lessons, is that the universe will keep giving you the same lesson until you say that Groundhog's you there. learn it and you accept it and you can integrate it, just like in the Crescent Moon Bear story, right? Yeah. Integrating what you learned from the mountain. That's the true skill in this, is, is recognizing what did you lose and then what did you gain. Because um, what that woman was saying when she was climbing the mountain, thanking all the trees for bowing and yeah. moving, you know, getting through, the translation is thank you, illusion. So you're, you're being grateful for the opportunity to transcend to evolve, mm-hmm. to, so that's kind of how I see this practice of Descantos is being open, like open-hearted to that transformation. So now we'll go into the last part um, on page 370 about the four stages of forgiveness. Um, so the first stage is to forego, to leave it alone. The second stage is to forbear, to abstain from punishing. The third is to forget, to veer from memory, to refuse to dwell. The fourth is to forgive, to abandon the debt. Hmm. Now, I really recommend that, um... You read this part of the book when you're, you're feeling rage. Because I did this the other night when I was angry at Ben. And I didn't really <laughs> want to read before bed. And I, my mind was like, just just go to bed. Just, we don't, well, we're fine. We'll forget about it. And I was like, no, you won't. you like, we gotta, we got to work through this. So I read this chapter, the end here, when I was in that space. And I'll tell you that that list does not sound, that's like your brain's like, oh, leave it alone? Abstain from punishing? Refuse to dwell? Abandon? No. No, 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 no. I want to be <laughs> angry about this, okay? I have rightful rage. You know, like, so it'll really trigger your your psyche. And you'll see the illusions because you'll hear them go, Oh, no, no, no. We don't need this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Clarissa. But, but <laughs> you're not really, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And wow. then you're like, man, that is spot on. Um, so it can really help. Um, you work through things and kind of do yeah. a self This might be good for other people. Yeah, but not, not me. Not me. Not Especially not case. right now. Yeah, not right yeah. now. This situation is different. I definitely need to punish this person. <laughs> um, so I'll just go over briefly the four steps um, to get a clear vision in case you don't have the book or this is the only time you're going to kind of invest in it. That still works because... It'll still leave a print. So to forego is to break from thinking about the person or event for a while. So I like to go breathe, usually. Yeah. Like do a ritual of cleansing, maybe take a shower or read a book or, you know, just... Yeah, showers help me transform. Something, you know, when, when you read that, go let your psyche pop the first lottery thing of this is what I should go do and go do it. Don't, don't dwell because that's what the demons want you to do is to like become stagnant. So just keep moving, right? Keep it moving. 
Keep it flowing. Go for a run. Mm-hmm. Go for a run. Drink some water. Just get out of that headspace. Like, leave mm. that demon where he is. And it's like a little angry toddler. Like, okay, you stay in time out. I'm going to go and, like, mm. do something else. And now you're going to forbear, abstain from punishing. And so this is the virtue of patience. Practice generosity and compassion. That one's also very hard. That sounds really hard. It's really hard. That sounds like the hardest step. Because I'll forget (sighs) about it. Okay, I'm not going to think about it now. (laughs) But when I come back, I'm going to have They're going to get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now you've got to, you know, abstain from punishing. And next is the forget. And that doesn't mean to forget, forget. It means to refuse to dwell, to let go, to loosen your hold. Um, and, and taking it off stage of your psyche. Um, so she says, consciously forgetting means willfully dropping the practice of obsessing, intentionally outdistancing and out and losing sight of it, not looking back, thereby living in a new landscape, letting creative life new, that's not right, creating a new life and new experiences to think about instead of old ones. Mm, I like that. And now the last step, the longest one to forgive. It's a conscious decision to cease to harbor resentment. So you're responding from a state of mercy, insecurity, preparedness. Forgiveness is an act of creation. I think that that's a very excellent point, that you're creating more open space for your psyche, you're letting in, like I think of it, like the divine light. You're letting in that. I like your... You tend to feel sorrow over the circumstances instead of rage. When you think Mm -hmm. about it. And that's actually that part. I've never heard it put that way, but that perfectly describes what happened with my father and me. Mm -hmm. Where I just feel bad. I mean, I feel sorrow for what he did and who he became. And I'm not, I, I used to be very angry. Mm-hmm. For probably a decade, being abandoned and I don't know, you know, there's all these things. But then eventually, uh, now I'm like, he's dead, and now I feel like the whole situation was just sorrowful. Like it just mm-hmm. sucks that it happened that way. But it's not like blaming, I'm, shaming, yeah. guilt, like heavy. Yeah, it's not it's heavy. More of a oh. Like, I see you as a human and what you've been through. and Yeah. I feel compassion for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't identify him as the cause of the harm. I used to think that he was the cause of the, of the harm. Because mm. he was. He's the one who hit me. He's the one who did all these things and then left and abandoned me and my sisters and my brother and my mom and whatever. So, he, it was him, right? He's the one who did these things, and he did this to me, and he did that. and I was obsessed with him as the source. Mm. But then as I just let it go, uh, and for, you know, and 
just time, really, mm-hmm. I started to realize also that his diet was really bad. And I started to realize there was a lot of things around the situation mm-hmm. that made it that way. And it wasn't just him as this agent of evil. Mm-hmm. You know, he, mm-hmm. It was more like he was just as much of a victim of the situation as, uh, as I was now. Mm-hmm. I view it as like a just a sad story and not as one person who did bad things to me. Mm-hmm. But it takes time. It does take time. And <sighs> um, Estes talks about the important part of forgiveness is to begin and to continue. Yeah. Um, so... Congratulations if you made it to the end of this episode or if you've read th- through this chapter. But uh doesn't mean you're done and that you're you got your certificate and you never have to go back to reading the book or listening to the episode or coming back to this practice of forgiveness. It is the point of it is actually to keep coming back to. Um the act of forgiveness will keep opening up that psyche to yeah. more creative space. Like she was saying that yeah. forgiveness is an act of creation. So, if you have that framing around it, then forgiveness all of a sudden maybe doesn't feel as overwhelming as when I first brought out that list. That, that list of um, forgo, forbear, forget, and forgive Yeah, kind of makes a little bit more sense. And actually, I find some relief in that she's laid out a process for this and that you're yeah. not just, well, if you had traumatizing stuff happen to you, well, you're screwed. Well, and... It's like, now that there's there's a way to actually transcend yeah. and, all and of it. You, I think the thing that helped me realize forgiveness was important was also that you're not forgiving because you need to let someone off the hook. You're forgiving because you're letting your own psyche off the hook. Mm -hmm. It's so much work to harbor resentment and it poisons all of your other creative endeavors that it's so much better once you can let it go and forgive because you get to then focus on what you're really in love with in this world. And you Mm -hmm. don't have forever. You're not going to live forever. You don't have unlimited time. And it's really important to give a hundred percent of your being over to the people you love or the things that you love or the practice Mm -hmm. you know that you have or something that that I guarantee you there's something in this world worth loving and every moment you spend resenting someone is a moment you don't get to love that something Mm. So the practice of descantos and forgiveness can help open your psyche up literally, um, making more uh, neural pathway space and making new voyages to the parts of your psyche that you maybe have, have abandoned in the past or thought that weren't important that you can help heal and actually bring more psychic energy to 
um, and bringing more vitality to your life and more energy because you're not your esteem isn't attached to the old paradigms and the old stories of yourself you're able to transcend all of it and be your your authentic self not the self that you've been conditioned and trained to be you can sense finally from a safe place who you really are instead of coming from maybe a fear based place you can come from a joyous loving space to be yourself that's how I'm absorbing this well, thank you for starting this podcast and inviting me to do it with you. And I think it's really good for us. And I mm-hmm. I hope that um, if you're listening that you consider creating something with someone that connects you and that builds a kind of a some sort of uh, collaboration Mm -hmm. uh, creatively to produce something together because I think a lot of artists and I think the people in our tribe is like the artists the rogues the renegades the wild women the, the lone wolves and I was always like that and I always kind of had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't want to collaborate very much but it's really helped me understand what's very important to me and valuable to me and so I think Mm -hmm. this is also one of those episodes that has brought up a lot of things for me and uh, I'm just glad that we we do this and this summer is going to be the end of the book. Mm-hmm. We're going into the last quarter. Yeah. How many chapters left? Oh, let's see. Three? Four. There's 15 chapters in the book, and next week, or next month, is chapter 13. Battle Scars. Membership in the Scar Clan. Oh. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she really did a good job of laying this out for us. Yeah. This is the Wild Woman Bible. Yeah. It is uh Estes is Catholic, so she really is quite infinite with her story choicing and the order and yeah. the practices in here and um the word choice. I don't know. That's why I love sharing this book. It's a very beautiful book. Yeah. So, hope you got something out of it, and we will see you next month.